Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. It is time for an episode dedicated entirely to tomatoes. I feel like tomatoes are one of those topics that if you're not a homesteader type of person and you hear two people chattering on about tomatoes, you'd probably think they are entirely bizarre, right? Have you ever had those moments where you're like talking to your homestead friends and you're like all excited about something and someone walks by and they're like, oh wow, those people are weird. I've been there. I honestly find it quite amusing. But that being said, if you are a homesteader or a gardener, tomatoes are a big deal. They're awesome. They're one of our favorite things to grow. And today it's all things tomato. We're talking harvesting, preserving, and even some tomato myths. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the podcast for you. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a quick minute because I have a really exciting announcement. For many, many years, I have relied heavily on planners to keep our full life in flow, but I have always struggled to find one that fits the uniqueness of a homestead lifestyle. The planners I've used in the past always kind of left me wanting more. They would contain weekly spreads that never quite fit our life, and they never took into account all the moving pieces of an old-fashioned lifestyle. You know, things like meal planning, gardening, preserving, or seasonal living. So I decided to make my own, and I am so excited to introduce to you today the Old Fashioned On Purpose Planner. It's designed for homesteaders by homesteaders. It's the planner I have wished for for years, and it is loaded with helps, cheat sheets, templates, and guides to streamline your homegrown lifestyle, whether you live on 100 acres or you're just homesteading in your backyard. Head on over to prairieplanner.com and I'll show you a sneak peek of the inside. I also put together a bunch of bonuses to go with it and guess what? Free shipping. That's www.prairieplanner.com. Now back to our episode. So in episode 117, I gave some tips for growing a good crop of tomatoes. I've had some pretty good crops. I've had some some clunkers, but you know, for the most part, I've done pretty well. Uh, so if you want to get the growing info, go back to 117. But this one, we're kind of leaning more towards harvesting and what to do with tomatoes when you get them in the house and the preserving and all of that, because this is interesting to me, but there's a lot of weird tomato misinformation out there. Like a lot. Every time I post about tomatoes online, like there's a lot of old wives tales that float around. Now, I don't think tomatoes are hard. Um, I think they're actually pretty simple, but sometimes I think people overcomplicate them maybe. I don't know. But anyway, this information, I have shared a lot of this at some point in time in different episodes or on the blog or here and there on social media, but I thought it would be good to put all of the tomato tips I have for you. And I'm still learning, of course, but the tomato tips I have for you in this podcast episode. So if you are dealing with the tomato harvest right now, maybe you have boxes in your kitchen or you're wanting to get some from your farmer's market you have a plan. So first off, I think we need to talk about ripening. There is a lot 
of misinformation floating around about tomatoes and ripening. And I just have to say this because I hear a lot of folks really upset. You know, they're like, I can't grow tomatoes where I live because they never have a chance to get red. They never ripen. They're just, you know, they go, they're green and then it freezes and then it's all over. And I, I'm like, wait a second, you actually can still grow tomatoes and get a really good harvest with ripe tomatoes. You just have to pull them off when they're green. And this is actually what I do every single year. This year was odd in that I was able to get a couple bowlfuls of red tomatoes, but there's many, many years when I get hardly any red ones and I don't see a red one at all until after the frost and I pulled the green ones off the plant. So it's 100% okay. You know, you grow this bumper crop of tomatoes and you pull every single one of them off when they're green, you'll still be sitting pretty when it comes time to can or freeze or preserve or whatever. Um, I will say whenever I talk about tomatoes ripening, one thing that always comes up is somebody will say, oh, you know what you can do? I heard my grandma's um, friend, Aunt Bethel, says you can take the tomato plants, pull them straight out of the ground, the whole plant, and hang them somewhere. And then the tomatoes will ripen because they're on the plant. And so, number one, I've this is tricky for some folks to do because if you're like me, your tomatoes grow tall and they tend to tangle with each other. That may be because I do not trellis mine appropriately, but that's beside the point. But anyway, even if you were to pull your tomato plant with green tomatoes on it, I actually tried this a number of years ago and I took a plant out of the ground. I hung it up. I think people will say to hang it upside down. So I hung it upside down from the rafters in our shop where it wasn't going to freeze. And then I also took at the exact same time, some green tomatoes in a box and just stuck them in a box like I normally would. And really, truly, there was no difference in the tomatoes that were on the plant in how quickly or how efficiently they ripened versus the ones that were in the cardboard box. So maybe some of you have some definitive evidence on this to prove me wrong, but I feel like if you're just picking the tomatoes off the plant and putting them in cardboard boxes, which is a heck of a lot easier then you'll have fruit that ripens just as quickly. So that's my little spiel on that. Um, and truly green tomatoes, do very well in cardboard boxes. I don't wrap mine individually in newspaper. I don't worry about putting them in the sun. I literally throw them in the box, no matter how green they are, and they will ripen. Now, occasionally I'll have one that gets squishy or a little gross. So you kind of have to look through every couple days and pull out the nasty ones and also grab the ones that are starting to ripen, but they go quicker than you think. And time and time again, year after year, that's how I've had enough tomatoes to make sauce. I just have boxes and boxes of green ones and I just wait for them to ripen. Uh, you can also do stuff with green tomatoes. There's green tomato relish and chutneys. And I saw someone pickling green tomatoes the other day, which I thought was super smart. And I love fried green tomatoes. There's a recipe for that in the cookbook. Those are awesome. So uh, you got options. Even if you don't have a long enough growing season to get all the way red, it's totally fine. I would still absolutely plant tomatoes. All right. So you have your green ones. Let's say you get a handful of red ones, whether that's coming straight out of the garden or they're coming out of your ripening boxes. You know, you're getting 10, 15, 20 red tomatoes at a time. Now, obviously that is not enough to make tomato sauce because if you've ever made tomato sauce, you know, it takes way more tomatoes than you think to get a jar of sauce. But you also 
really don't want to eat 15 tomatoes fresh. And you're like, what the heck do I do with 15 tomatoes? So unless you're in the mood to make a little batch of salsa or something like that, my favorite trick is to freeze them. I have talked about this before, but a lot of times when I bring this up, people are just like, think it's super cool because they never thought about freezing a tomato. So here's what I do. I just did this last week. In fact, take my ripe tomatoes, wash them, pull the little stems off. I like to trim the stem or blossom end, and then I will just squeeze the tomato. And I'm talking, I do this quickly. It's sloppy. It's not um, very detail oriented. I just give the tomato a squeeze over a bowl and I get out the majority of the seeds and the juice. It's not perfect. It's not precision, but I just get out. If there's a lot of moisture in there, I try to get out most of it. And I throw them in a gallon Ziploc freezer bag. And when that bag is full, I toss it into the freezer. Now, obviously this isn't a good choice if you wanted to have a sliced tomato on a hamburger, but if you're collecting tomatoes for sauce, which is what I do more than anything, I love tomato sauce. That's what we eat a ton of it works like a charm. And then all you have to do, like, let's say when I finally have enough tomatoes collected, or maybe I get an influx of red tomatoes from my tomato boxes and I need to pad that a little bit with some extras, I will pull those bags out of the freezer the night before I need to can them and I'll let them thaw. And then we throw them through the food mill, not throw them literally. You know what I mean? Throwing would be bad. Don't throw them, (laughs) but it works really, really well. And that's a great way, um, if you're all tomatoed out at the end of the season and you just are overeating a ton of fresh tomatoes, pop them in the freezer for the sauce and collect them for a little bit. Now, speaking of making sauce, we need to talk for a minute about peeling tomatoes. Now, I know that it is a thing. People do it. And it's it's not necessarily hard. I mean, it's hard if you try to peel a tomato as is. But if you pop a tomato into pot of boiling water for a few minutes, maybe like one or two minutes, and then you pop it into a bowl of ice water, the skins will usually just slip off. Now, if I had five tomatoes to peel, I would do it super happily. However, if I have like, I don't know, 80 pounds of ripe tomatoes and I'm trying to make sauce and they're all weird sizes, some are big, some are little, some are oblong, like I am just not gonna spend my day peeling tomatoes and popping, you know, I'm just not going to do it. Sorry. Like I don't have enough commitment to the tomato cause to do that. So here's what I do instead. If you don't have a food mill, this will change your life. There are these things called food mills. And I have one called a Victorio. I think I'm saying that right. Victorio. It's red. You'll see it online. There's on, it's on a lot of homesteading sites or supply stores. Uh, I think it's called a food mill or a food strainer. Uh, and it has a big funnel at the top and a crank and you bolt it down to your counter, like you just clamp it down and you can run the tomatoes through there. So all I do is I'll wash them and you literally could put them through like that and you smoosh them down in the funnel and it turns and it has a screen that takes out the seeds and the peel and it spits that out on one side and you can give it to your pigs or your chickens. And then it gives you the sauce on the other side. And then what I do is I'll take the sauce from the strainer. It's raw, right? And I'll put it in my pot with my herbs and my salt and whatever else I'm putting in there and let that simmer down. And then I put it in the jars and I don't know how I could, I don't think I could do sauce without it. I'm just not patient enough to peel large quantities of tomatoes. You can also use the same tool, the strainer mill thing for applesauce. So I just ordered, have I told you this yet? I don't think I have. I just ordered 150 pounds of apples. They're not here yet. 
I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all of them. I think I'm going to make a lot of applesauce. It was an impulse buy. It was a really good price. I couldn't resist. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I have no self-control. But I'm going to use this food mill heavily to make applesauce with this 150 pounds of tomatoes. And it's the same thing. You can um, just... I think with those, I, I cook them down a tiny bit. So I will like quarter the apples. I will not remove the seeds. I will not remove the core. I will put them in a pot with a little bit of water and just soften them a tad and then run the softened apples through the food mill and I get a beautiful applesauce puree. It's magical. So all of that to say, I love making sauce and I love making salsa, but if there is a recipe that requires a lot of tomato peeling, I just don't do it. Um, I've like recipes for crushed or whole tomatoes. I rarely will can those just because I don't want to have to peel all of them first. And you can leave peels on, but here's what happens when you, when it goes through the canning process, it tends to like the peels are tough, right? And they kind of come off in little bits and it's just not as pleasant to eat. They kind of get stuck in your teeth and they're a little bit awkward in texture. It won't kill you to leave the skins on, but it's just not as desirable. So uh, I find that for me using the food mill plus the sauce, that's our happiest combination. All right. There is an elephant in the room when it comes to canning. And I wanted to address that really quick. I have a blog post on this topic. I will put in the show notes. But there is a lot of debate about canning tomatoes. And when I talk about this online, especially on Facebook, people get really angry at me. Like, you guys wouldn't believe how, how volatile this topic is. Um, but you know me, I'm going to say it anyway. So it is a good idea. It is recommended and it is wise to add a little acid to tomatoes that you're canning, whether you're canning them in a water bath or a pressure canner. And here's why. So we know that any food with a pH higher than 4.6 must be pressure canned, right? Um, and interestingly enough, tomatoes hover right around... 4.6 pH, but they aren't always consistent. And that's why people are like, well, my book from 1975 said that I don't need to add acid to my tomatoes. And I'm like, yeah, that's because the research has changed, right? They're, they're always looking into science and the research with the canning. And so back in the day, you know, tomatoes are acidic. We know that. So people assumed you didn't need to put extra acid with your tomatoes in the jars to water bath them. But we've since learned that there are some variations that come with tomato pH levels. Um, so there are about 7,500 varieties of tomatoes, depending on the variety that has a little bit to do with the acid. Um, it can also be related to how like mature the tomato is. So if the tomatoes are super duper ripe, they tend to be a little less acidic. If they have blossom end rot, that will change the acidity as will bruising if you grow tomatoes in the shade, if you ripen them off the vine, like there's a lot of factors here. And I personally don't have the energy to look at all these factors and try to figure out if my tomatoes have high acid or low acid. So the easiest catch all fix for this is super simple. Just add a little bit of lemon juice when you can your tomatoes. So what I do if I'm doing sauce or I'm, you know, doing my whole tomatoes, which is rare, but sometimes it happens, <clears throat> excuse me, I will add a little bit of lemon juice or vinegar into the jar. And I'm trying to think of the, let me see if I can find the measurements. I think it's like two tablespoons per 
um, hold on, I'm going to click on this blog post that I wrote that I now don't remember the exact, I think it's two tablespoons per quart, but I'm going to get the exact measurement. You can use, um, also use citric acid. I find that lemon juice is my preference, but either of those, hold on, I'm finding it. All right, so if you are going to add lemon juice to your tomato home can stuff, you want to add two tablespoons per quart of tomato. So I just will literally pour the two tablespoons into the jar and then add the sauce in there. And it just covers your bases, right? It just makes sure that your acid levels are good. You don't have to have any second guessing. You don't have to have to, you don't have to, wow, I said that a lot. <laughs> have to, have to, have to, you don't have to worry. Um, and I know like, this is what people get really angry at me about. They're like, I've canned tomatoes forever. It's always been fine. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my mom. I, I get it. Actually, maybe my kids are the ones that say that. Um, to their babysitter, which then they get in trouble for saying that. But no, all that, all that to say that you can do what you want. You're, you're a grown up. You're probably a grown up if you're listening to this. I know we have some high schoolers as well listening, but most of you are grown ups. You can choose your own choices with your canning. But for me, I prefer to have the peace of mind of adding a couple tablespoons of lemon juice, knowing that acid is proper and I don't have to worry about it. So that is my tomato spiel. Hopefully none of you are horrifically offended at that. Um, but there you have it. So there is my tomato episode. I think, did I leave anything out? Hmm. I don't think so. Oh, I will say that the type of tomato you're using, especially if you're doing pres preservation, it really does matter, right? I like to use a paste tomato for any of the sauces or tomato paste, obviously, because it has less moisture and more meat. They're not as fun to eat on your sandwiches or freshly sliced, but they're great because you don't have to, to cook down all that moisture. Now you can 100% use other tomatoes for your sauce. You could even use cherry tomatoes. Uh, they're just a little different to handle. And some of those big old heirloom slicers, they're just going to have more water and you have to cook it down longer. So that's, that's why people usually gravitate towards paste tomatoes. Um, but it's not a hundred percent necessary. Also know if you've never made sauce before, people are usually kind of disappointed, I guess, at how many tomatoes it takes to make a quart of sauce. Like you need a good quantity. Um, and for me, getting out the food mill and doing the whole cooking down process of the sauce is really only worth it if I have enough to make, you know, a couple batches so I can really stock up the pantry. So keep that in mind. Oh, the other thing you can do, I can't believe I didn't mention this, dehydrating. Um, I have another recipe on the blog for dried tomatoes. It's not really a recipe. It's just like so easy. But if you have a dehydrator or even just your oven turned down low, dried tomatoes are awesome. And if you find recipes that call for sun-dried tomatoes, I often will just use my home-dried tomatoes in those recipes. And my kids actually really like them as snacks. They sweeten up quite a bit as they dry. And it's super simple. We literally just wash the tomatoes, slice them as evenly as we can. And then I put them in my food dehydrator, but you could also use your oven and wait for them to dry down until they're leathery. And then I pop them in a jar. And if they're dry enough, you can keep them in the pantry. If you're not sure, you can put them in the fridge so they don't mold. But that's another way. Like if I get those small batches of tomatoes, it's not enough to make sauce, but I need to preserve them. You can dry those babies and they're pretty versatile with that. So there are all my tomato tips that I can possibly think of in one episode. If you have any other preservation tips or tricks or ways that you can them or favorite recipes, I'd love to check them out. 
uh, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or uh, tag me. I'd love to see what you're doing with your tomatoes because they really are kind of a rock star on the homestead and the homestead garden. And also, if you are looking for ideas on how to create more of an old-fashioned intentional kitchen with all sorts of different recipes, or maybe you want to change up your decor so it has a little bit more of an old-fashioned vibe, you will love my Heritage Kitchen Handbook. It's a little ebook that I have packed full of my very best tricks for cooking and eating like a farmer, even if you live in the city, and you can get it for free over at www.heritagekitchenhandbook.com. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to my tomato ramblings. Thank you for all of you who leave reviews and ratings. And also, I love it when you take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram or Facebook. I love seeing your light bulb moments or your biggest takeaways. So don't hesitate to do that. And I share as many of those as I can. So I'll give you a shout out if I see it. So have a wonderful rest of your week and we will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.